0: We're in the last half of chapter six in the book of Ephesians and and really just to kind of give you some context because I know some of you maybe haven't been around in a while and I kind of want to catch you up to speed with what's going on. We're walking through the whole book of Ephesians and it's a really the subtitle is A Reminder to a Busy Church. And I know I don't even have to ask it. Everybody here, we're busy we're busy. If we're not busy with our time, we're busy with our thoughts. We are just active all the time. We always got a plate spinning or two. And so with that, if you're like me, when you get distracted or you get too busy, a lot of the a lot of the important things tend to fall back in the priority list and you end up focusing on things that really don't matter. And then the things that don't matter get your full attention and the things that really do, you're, you just kind of feel like they're just going to con- continue to take care of themselves. I don't know. We tend to do that. We could do that in our relationships with God. Same thing. And so whenever we look at who Paul's writing to, he's the author of Ephesians. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, which was a, a city a lot like ours, very multicultural. A lot of people coming from a lot of, a lot of different uh, backgrounds and experiences, um, both in life, but also in religion. A whole lot of different gods, a whole lot, a lot of different belief systems. And so he's speaking this book into this multi- multicultural setting And for some people, like he's preaching to the choir. You know what I'm talking about? Like today, for some of you, I'm going to preach to the choir. Like you're just, amen. Like I get it. And then there's always going to be the other people who are like, now I have a problem with that right there, or I don't quite understand that. And Paul's speaking to a room a lot like this, the church in Ephesus, and, he's, and somebody is reading this, this letter to a room like this, a bunch of different people. And, uh, and again, some things you'll agree with, some things you won't agree with, but come on, if you've ever read the Bible, you know that there's some things that you can just easily partake of, and there's other things that you got to kind of flesh out. This book is one of them. It's very condensed, and Paul starts off in the first half of the book leaning into the gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, that he came to the earth, he lived a perfect life, died a terrible death, uh, and was buried, but then was raised to new life, which is, that's like the punchline. Like, that's the big deal, okay? He, he defeated death in the grave. And so that's good news for us because now we, if we are in Christ, if we believe and have placed our faith in Jesus, he changes us and also he clothes us in his righteousness and we no longer are naked in our own unrighteousness. And so this is the good news. And Paul leans into it heavily and we've spoken about it a lot over the last few months. And, but then he kind of changes gears and he goes into how does that gospel affect our everyday life? Like we can have a belief system, but what does it look like in our behavior? Last month was really all about our relationships with our, our marriages, our families, our workplaces. What does the gospel, how does the gospel affect us in those environments? And, um, and so this month though, he changes gears in the, in the last half of chapter six, and he begins to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, it's so important that you don't put the cart before the horse in what we're talking about today. Because if you begin to only live out four through six, and that's your mindset is four through six, without one through three, chapters one through three, you flip-flop the sequence. And what happens at that point is if you are trying to be good or, or, or be righteous, you feel like you've got to like level up in Christianity before you can become pleasing to God. Like you've got to be really good, be all polished up, be cleaned up to come to God. And that's actually against the gospel. The gospel is, even if you were perfect in your own eyes, you would still be imperfect. We are are broken because we are all born with sin. And so we come to God with nothing, which is a wonderful place to come to God with, all right? Your successes and your failures, none of them matter. You come to God with nothing, but yet he still gives you everything in Christ through Jesus. And so, so now out of that, that affects our relationships. And then out of that, it also affects Something that a lot of people, all of us, are not really quite sure of. The spiritual realm, the spiritual realm. This unseen realm, and it gets very mysterious. And I think this week is a perfect week to kind of crack open this case because we just came out of Halloween, all right? And, and if you're like, oh, they planned it this way. Actually, we're not that smart. <clears throat> I'm just going to let you know. Like, it just happened this way. We were like, let we do this, and this is going to be good. This is going to be, oh, look, spiritual warfare, demons, angels, after Halloween. So we're all primed and ready. You guys have been watching your horror movies, right? All of you? Yeah. Just joking. Some of you are like, absolutely. So you're, you're ready. You're primed. And you got a lot of questions. Well, today we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to kind of open it up, and we're going to flesh this out even over the next uh, two or three weeks after today. But the spiritual realm. Um, the first thing that we really need to know is, is that there is one, <laughs> right? That there is a spiritual realm because we all have different thoughts and experiences and beliefs when it comes to the spiritual realm. And especially in our nation and this world, depending where you live or where you come from, you're gonna have a different bent on whether it exists or not. And the thing that we're really gonna deal with a lot today is the way that we think about it because we are in the age of intellectualism. Like we, we know things, right like like we know things and we, there's 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 like science and so we know and but but is there enough to really support whatever we believe and there's some big questions we're going to ask some big conversations we're going to have and so so let's kind of run into this uh, a lot of studies a lot of a lot of experience when it comes to the spiritual realm you know is it a dimension is it a delusion is it Are there, like, multiple dimensions? Are there parallel things? Like, if you're like me, you like to get in those wormholes of articles and blogs about it. You're just like, ooh. You know, watching YouTube videos that are, like, three hours long at 1 a.m. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're, like, slobbering sideways. Like, oh, I understand the meaning of life, you know? (laughs) It's like some kid in his mom's basement, you know, writing a blog. And you're like, oh, oh, wait, he's not a scientist. It's just some weirdo. Played too much Fortnite. I don't know. But... (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, there's a lot of studies that are going on. Uh, They've discovered the part of the brain that really, I guess, uh, communicates or or shows up or lightens up whenever we are experiencing spiritual things. And so with that, some people say, see, it's just in the brain. But does it, because we know where it's at in the brain, does that discount the reality of the spiritual experiences or is it actually proof of the spiritual experiences? You see, what angle people take on the so-called evidence of something. Is there a good spirit and a bad spirit? Is it just the upside down world? All right. How many Stranger Things fans we got out there, right? Like I'm watching them going, yeah, this is, this is really accurate. You know, until the blob started like sucking people up and doing all that weird stuff. And I was like, Nats I can't go there with you. But I mean, right, we, we try to picture it is what we're trying to do. And there's a lot of movies actually that get it really close. A lot of times, you know, some of you, the only knowledge you have of the spiritual realm is what you've watched from Stephen King or read from Stephen King. Like that's your, you've been baptized in that type of thinking. And and for some people, they look at all that as fake, but is it? Some don't believe in it while others do, which I think is also kind of funny because whether you believe in it or not, the spiritual realm, it really does not dictate whether it is real or not. (laughs) I think it's always funny, like, no, I don't believe in that. Like, you know, I, I declare that I do not believe in it, and therefore I declare that it is not true. Actually, that whether it's true or not has nothing to do with what you think. But we are so prideful. And we think that if we know something, if we have knowledge about something, that, like, somehow we figured it out and, like, we don't have to fear it because we understand it. But the problem is, is that when you're talking about the natural and the supernatural, the things that happen in the supernatural don't really line up with the equations and the logic that we have in the natural. So we are applying an antiquated equation to something that's far beyond our understanding, trying to figure it out. We're like the seven year old who knows how to do addition and subtraction sitting in the algebra class trying to teach the algebra teacher how to do algebra. That kid don't know anything. You know what I'm talking about? There's a a gap of knowledge and understanding, but I'll tell you this, at at Northwood Church, we believe that there's a spiritual realm. There are angels and demons. There's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a God, there's a Satan, there's a devil, right? There's all these things. And, And we as people, we are our bodies and we are souls and spirits. Like we are really two big pieces And we get caught up in this, what we could touch and see, and we discount the other side of us. So today we're gonna talk about this battle that we're in, this this thing that Paul's gonna open up to us. And it's a spiritual war. You gotta know that we're in a battle, but you also have to know that that you're in a battle, that you're also, that you have an enemy, but you also need to know that you have a strength. So that's what we're gonna talk about, those three parts. And so with that, let's go ahead and read verses 10 through 12, and then we'll start breaking this open. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now think about what Paul's been writing, this giant letter, okay, all of these different things. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Spiritual forces of evil. Those are some big words, y'all. I mean, evil. A lot of times whenever you hear spiritual like realm and stuff, don't you like, do you guys hear kind of like a sci-fi movie bumper or movie like preview? Like in a world where there are angels and demons in the spiritual realm, you know, it's like you know, like pterodactyl noises are happening. That's right? how we paint these pictures. how we think about it. But they're real. But it's, it's real. I don't know what it sounds like, but it's real. But also it's, it's unseen. So whenever we talk about spiritual warfare, this is something that for most of us in this room, we may never see. We may never have that moment that you know some people have where, like, they saw something. And you're like, if I could see that, then I would believe. You know, a lot of times we talk about faith and things and God, and people are like, man, if I could see an angel or I could see a miracle or if I could see that, then I would believe. People do the same thing with the spiritual forces of evil. If I could see, then I would. And in our culture, we're caught up with this mindset. And sometimes we're waiting for that before we believe. That we're in a battle. The thing that we need to know today is that we are in a battle. You need to know you're in a battle. Verse 12, he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I think it's funny that Paul said that because here's the deal. If anybody could have said we are fighting against flesh and blood, it was Paul. He had been beaten, arrested, lied about, abused in many different ways i mean paul was was like the pinnacle of the person that could say we're against like we're fighting against people but he says and he uses this letter to say hey guys you know the people that you're fighting with or the people that you're labeling as the enemy they're not actually the enemy and i think we need to hear that nowadays in our country politically and in all these cases we are not fighting against one another If you think that you are fighting against Democrat or Republican, you have a very narrow mindset. And especially as a believer, you need to to check where your faith is. (laughs) Because biblically, it's never been in the governments of this world. It's not. Our hope is in Jesus, right? Who supersedes all of that. But then if we get off that, we start looking at people we start labeling, now now we're gonna get into to influences and other things like that. But first and foremost, we gotta realize that I'm not, I'm not fighting you, you're not fighting me. We're not fighting people outside this room. It goes a lot deeper than that. It's a spiritual battle. And if we don't understand that, and if we think it's a physical battle, we'll try to fight it by physical means. We'll be fighting this physical battle and it actually has nothing to do with that. Sometimes people are fighting something they're not aware of and they're also not aware of what they're fighting against. And a lot of times that thinking comes again, based out of how we're raised, how we're shaped, our theology, our philosophy about life. For instance, if you were raised up at a church that was very, very, very spiritual. Now all of us know that we're we're spiritual, but what I mean by that is like, like really churchy spiritual, all right, where like everything's like this mysterious cloud. Everybody's waiting for a cloud or this or that. It's always like this abstract hyper spirituality, you know, and some of you grew up in that, that thing and you've maybe gone to the other the other side of that because you said that was spooky and weird and kind of weirded you out. And now you might be on the other end where some of the other people grew up, which is the spiritual realm was always downplayed Demons, it's never talked about, it's never discussed. And so actually what happens is, because we don't talk about it, if we don't ever talk about it, then people are getting, you know, they're in a battle and they're losing it because they don't have the proper perspective of what battle they're actually in. And so over here, there's this apathetic attitude towards the spiritual, and over here there's this overactive perspective of the spiritual. And we we have to be careful that we don't get off base and get all you know, mystified with it, but at the same time, we still have to be aware of it. But we tend to fall off one side or the other. When it comes to devils and believing in devils and demons, I think that C.S. Lewis uh, said it well. He says this, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an unhealthy and excessive interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. This is some good words, the way that he pieces that together. And maybe you've known some people like this, or maybe you are this. You realize that sometimes you tend to fall on one side or the other. And I think as people, we're always trying to balance things out. We're always looking for a balance. And and honestly there is no perfect state of balance. Can we just go ahead and establish that? If you're looking for a complete balance in your life, balance looks like this, right? Yeah. You, don't, you don't see somebody that's fully balanced like walking a tightrope just going. Yeah. No, there's, like, there's tension and your whole body's engaged. Our lives, our theology, there's tension in it. There, there, There's there's times whenever, well, I, I've seen it this way. And then it's like, well, it, it's kind of over here. And we're all, the church is doing this, not out of fear, but out of care. Like we should care about our theology and how we're looking at things. And, and with this, it's no different. Martin Luther actually said, He said uh, he referred to it as people trying to get on a, on a a horse or a drunk guy trying to get on a horse. He said you're on this side of the horse and you believe in something and then somebody jumps on top of the horse and then they fall off the other side. We tend to do that with our beliefs and our philosophies and our thinking. It's like we almost feel like we have to choose a side so that way we have a tribe and then we can defend our belief. And sometimes there's not a simple answer to it. And when it comes to the supernatural, here we are, you know, second graders, and we're trying to figure out algebra, and we don't even know how to multiply really yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, are y'all tracking with me? And so we can know certain things, and we will understand certain things to a certain extent, but there is a layer of this that there's always gonna be sort of a mystery to. But whenever he says materialist or magician, a couple of words that we could put there that we would use a lot is a naturalist or a spiritualist. A naturalist is a person that needs evidence for everything. Now, in our culture, that is really the prevailing thought process is if I don't have hard evidence for it, proof then it either doesn't exist or I'm not gonna believe in it yet because I gotta wait for me to have something like to put my hands on it's a naturalist. I need proof. I need evidence. The, again, the thing that's, that's crazy about that is that the same things that work in our natural world, our equations, they don't work out in that other realm. Something might happen one time and then people want to like figure out how it happens so that way they could crack the code. Jesus was raised from the dead one time, right? Like, like things happen one time and it may never happen like that ever again. And what happens is with people that and in the church that may be kind of leaning in a hyper spirituality, they are seeking those things all the time, non-stop, to figure them out, to crack the code, because like they they just they, we, we gotta wield this power. Like we have to wield this power. And it starts becoming very, very mathematical, and, and we gotta set the stage just right. We're gonna get into healings and things here in a second, but it's like if you if you pray just right, then you'll unlock that. We don't, we don't see that. There's differences. One person receives something or, or whatever, experiences something, the other person doesn't, sit right next to them. Even in this service already during worship as we were singing, some of you, man, God was speaking to you, he was ministering to you, and the person right next to you might've just been like, well, that's a weird light, you <laughs> know, uh, feeling nothing, not experiencing anything. <laughs> Come on, let's just be real. You know, lift up a shout of praise. Yeah, lift up a shot of praise. Uh, yeah, why are we yelling? You know, I mean, we're on different spectrums. And when it comes to this conversation right here that we're having right now, there's different spectrums. Some of you have been taught, don't deal with it. Don't talk about it. Ignore it and it will go away. I've got news for you. Ignoring it will not make it go away. Now, some people end up thinking everything is a demon. There's a, there's a demon attached to everything. And, and, and everybody's, if, if you're struggling with something, you need a demon cast out of you, you know? And, and, and that might be extreme in one sense, but I, I want to interject something here and tell you that I actually believe, and is it a perfect belief? I don't know, but I, I think that I can support it here in a second with some scripture. But I believe that everything that is sinful, everything that is destructive in nature, that kills, steals, and destroys Every sickness, all of it, I believe it all falls underneath the umbrella of death. And I believe that all death is a result of sin, and I believe that death is demonic in nature because it's not God's nature. So I believe that that really almost everything can fall under this umbrella of demonic. Then does that mean that there is a literal demon? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like it walking on like weird, like, right? <laughs> however you picture it. I actually think that, that demons and Satan are, um, at least Satan is it, not really that freaky. I think that he comes as an angel of light. I think that he actually, uh, it, if we knew that if he was so freaky, then why would we believe him so much? Like, it'd be hard to be deceptive whenever you have giant horns coming out. <gasps> you know what I'm saying? Get away! No, actually, I think it's a lot more subtle than that, but I actually do believe that everything that is sinful is demonically influenced in some way, shape, or form. So although I may not believe that every single person who's in a certain thought process or maybe experiencing a certain thing is demon-possessed, I think that all sin is demonically influenced. If it's not demonically influenced, right, from Satan, then what is influencing it? Is it neutral? I don't think that really anything's neutral. Not completely. Maybe this pulpit is, you know what I'm saying? Money, those are neutral things. But the heart of man, the mindset, the thing, you, you, you kind of track it with me here? All right. 1 Corinthians 15 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. I think that understanding these scriptures will help us kind of move into the next thing. We have to understand that there is power in sin and death is the culmination of sin. And it says here that the law gives sin its power, which is really talking about the spirit of the law, God's nature, who he is in contrast to sin and our unrighteousness. It gives sin its power. It really reveals the the, the nature of sin that we have. But in knowing this battle and knowing that there's powers, spiritual powers, whether you are a materialist or a spiritualist, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, this is real, that if there is a battle, then there is an enemy. And it's so important that you know your enemy, that you know your enemy. Verse 11, he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Did you know that the devil has schemes, tactics, strategies? This is a war. You're in a war right now. Sometimes I wish that God would kind of lift up the curtain that we could actually see what's really going on. So that way we could like, I mean, like, honestly guys, you know, like we want to like we, grab a spear and a sword and like actually go to fight something because we're so physical. And sometimes because it's not a physical thing, we then discount it as it's not, it's not spiritual, but it, but it is. And we have an enemy who has tactics, who's trying to steal, kill and destroy. That's what John 10:10 10, 10 says. Now, Paul has already mentioned the devil in Ephesians 4.27, and he refers to him as uh, diablos, which you have to say in a Spanish accent. If you read that in Greek, it's just diablos, But it means slanderer. He opposes, he accuses. Satan in Hebrew literally means adversary. Guys, as a believer, Satan is opposed to you. He's opposed to everything that you are, everything that you're seeking to be, the God that you're seeking to know, he is opposed. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy Christianity. If you look back in history and you don't just look at wars and you don't just look at at technology, but you actually look underneath it at really the spiritual, if you have spiritual eyes to think about it from that perspective, things kind of start making sense. The wars that we've even seen in the last few years The things that are going on right now, it's pretty obvious to see what's going on. And we might not know all the timelines. We might not know who everybody represents in the Bible and all this kind of stuff. But guys, look, things are real. Things are happening. Things are moving. And he's got tactics. He's an adversary. Now, for us as individuals in this room, again, we are, are really made up. I just want to split it up into two different sections today. We are bodies. We're physical. We can touch it. We can feel it. And then we are spiritual, or it's our soul and our spirit, right? Something that we can't really see or put our hands on. And the enemy attacks us in these two different areas. The first thing I want to talk about is how the enemy attacks our bodies. Now, when it comes to this, again, there's a spectrum. And some people, if you're sick, it's a demon. Or it's the judgment of God on you, right? Like you must, you must not be living right. You know, I play golf a lot. I'm not really that good every week, but anyway, I play. And what happens is uh, somebody hits a shot and it like goes through a tree and doesn't hit anything. And, and it just, you know, it's a wonderful shot, but it almost hit a tree. And every, somebody else say, man, you must be living right. You know, it's a joke, but if you take that out and, and carry it, on, that's how somebody, people think. They think that. Oh, good things are happening to you. You must be acting right. You must be tithing. You know, you must, you must be doing the of, And then if something bad happens... Oh, mm, you must be sinning, you know? Oh, the judgment's coming down on you. Or there's a demon sitting on your shoulder. Now, a lot of those could be true. And I don't know which one is which. Could it be a demon? Yeah. Could it not be a demon? Absolutely. Could you not be living right? I guess. Could you be living right and still something bad happened? Yep. I, yeah. Again, your brain right now is trying to put it in a sequence. You're trying to figure it out. If I do this, then I'll get this. (laughs) No, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's... so when it comes to our bodies, we're attacked. Now, I want you to to learn how to have a holistic approach to your bodies. What, What I mean by that is if you are both spirit and soul and you are body, if you are walking through a sickness or somebody you know is walking through a sickness, you don't just approach it from simply a physical means, how to find healing. And you don't approach it from just an emotional healing or some sort of hyper-spiritual thing. You don't segment that. You should like mount all the troops that you got and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Approach it with that mindset. Some people, their bodies are breaking down And they're praying, 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 but really what they need is they need they need to sleep more. Your brain's not working right because you stay up till two and you get up at seven every night. You need more sleep. Your brain can't refresh and be renewed because you don't sleep well enough. Some of you need to go, you need to get the mask. Like you got you know I'm saying you need some help with that, man. I mean, do something. Hold your hold your breath while you sleep. I don't know. You know, (laughs) But you, you need that. Some of you, like you need to cast a demon of McDonald's out of yourself. I don't know. Like just, <laughs> right? You're like, I got all these heart issues and I can't, I can't breathe. I, barely, I feel terrible. But that Big Mac, my goodness, it's so good. <laughs> Those, delicious fries. <laughs> you know, Ronald McDonald's a clown. But for you, he's like nah! <laughs> Ronald McDonald's Big Mac. And. Uh, But what happens is we eat terrible and we treat our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, we treat our bodies terrible and then at the end of our lives or whenever we actually hit a wall of sickness, we want to cast a demon out. Mm -hmm. I I don't know about that. Sometimes you just need to change your diet, right? Sometimes it's that. I'm just throwing out scenarios. You just, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? (laughs) So there's there's that, there's that, that side. Some people, though, um, it's not that easy, it's, it's a, maybe there's a genetic issue. I, I, I'll tell you this, I believe that sin has damaged us to the genetic level. Like when sin entered the equation, it wasn't just just this ominous spiritual thing, it, it's affected ourselves, it's affected who we are. And I'm not some big scientist that knows all the things. I have watched a few documentaries though, so therefore I guess I pretty much know, right? <laughs> just joking. Welcome to 2019. Watch the documentary. I got it. I figured it out. I figured out the meaning of life. But there is evidence. It, I mean, you look at the, the genetic layer of, of where we're at, and you can begin to see how even what the Word of God says about us, how it's very accurate. Using different terminology, but it's very accurate. So some of you, though, you're dealing with that. It's chronic illness. It's chronic pain, and you're praying for healing. Now, here's the deal. We believe in healing. I believe that God can supernaturally heal a body. There's a plethora of miracles that have been documented and talked about i believe that god is god above all and he's good and i believe that we should pray for healings without a shadow of a doubt no doubt but do we always see healings no we don't we don't does that disprove that it's real no it doesn't this is this is attention guys this is like a tennis match, back and forth, back and forth. And some of you, I think maybe you've been kind of scared to even go there and talk about it because you're afraid that it might shake your faith. I wanna encourage you to actually go, go headlong into it, the conversation. You need to pray through things. You need to wrestle with things. You need to seek God and seek wisdom from the word in order to figure out where you stand on things. A Few years ago, I would have been very scared about this. A Few years ago, I, I, one time we prayed for a, a woman to be healed of cancer, every big name in the world was praying for her, and she died and it wrecked me for a few months. I was like, well, what's the point of praying for that? You know, it was completely results driven. And actually what happened was I didn't have true faith in God because when I didn't see the result that I wanted, it shook my faith in God, which then proved that my faith was actually in the result, not in God ultimately doing his plan, carrying it out in his sovereign way, whether it's in this life, what I can see and touch and feel, or whether it's in eternity. You see what I'm saying? But I had to go through that. And some of you, you need to go through some battles. You need to go through some tension and wrestle with these things. But Romans 8, 10, I believe says it right. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, Some of you need to hear that. Your body is dead because we're all dying right now. That sounds freaky. Welcome to Northwood. We're all dying. (laughs) But we are. We're breaking down. The spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. We're attacked in our body. uh, And I want to move on. Here's the deal. Some of us are being attacked in our body, yes. But I've been attacked a whole lot more in my soul than in my body. I'm still standing here, okay? So therefore, I have been attacked way more in my soul, in my spirit than I have my body. And this is primarily the battlefield for most of us right here. The soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. The part of you that nobody sees, but everybody feels, all right, everybody experiences, okay? They experience your soul, and, uh, but it's a battle. When it comes to our mind, I think some of the the primary ways that the enemy seeks to attack us is through the tactic of deception. Deception, not, you all know what reasonable doubt is, right? Just, just, just a a little bit. Like I don't have to prove one way or the other. I just have to insert a little bit of a question, just a question. Deception doesn't always give, Deception's not going to give you an answer to the other side of the debate. It's just gonna bring you away from your decision or your belief. It's gonna, it's gonna affect your faith and pull you away. And that's how the enemy messes with you. Just little seeds, little moments. That guy that wrote that article, you know, that YouTube video that you watched. Oh, that does make sense. And then your house of cards, your theology begins to kinda, a little card falls off here and it falls off there and it just continues to break down. Deception. And faith, we're in a fight for our faith. We're in a fight. Because faith is not fully understanding something but fully believing it at the same time, which doesn't make sense again in our thinking. But it's a problem for us Western thinkers because we need physical evidence for every belief. We need it, I gotta touch it, it's gotta make sense, it's gotta be logical. But isn't it possible that the enemy is framing unbelief as intellectualism? Like, since we can figure out a lot of things, I need to wait before I can figure it out scientifically or with logic before I believe in it. That is not faith. And I believe that for all of us, our knowledge, even in the world, it doesn't matter, science, whether it's just our own thoughts, we're all gonna reach a ledge everything always reaches a ledge. Even groundbreaking studies have this ledge that it gets to. And then all of a sudden it's all conjecture. It's like, well, we know this and we know this. And so based upon that, we, we really think that this is probably the next. And then they get to the next thing. And then it's like, well, okay, now that we know that, then we, it's probably this, but we'll know that. And, and then it just keeps going on. It's really interesting to me, the knowledge that we're seeking for is the same thing that Adam and Eve desired just the same, the knowledge of good and evil. The no, we want to know because knowledge is king. Knowledge is power. That's why God said, you don't need to know. Just be, be innocent, not dumb. <laughs> Some people do that, right? Like, I don't need to know any of that. All I need is just Jesus. I don't know anything about him because I don't read the Bible, but, but Jesus. And you know, it's like, Let's, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? We can still use our minds. God has given us a mind. We just have to use it in the right way. Perversion of truth is another way, another tactic. Making wrong right and right wrong. And I wanna just simply put this statement out there and it's very controversial nowadays, but, but anytime that people are celebrating abortion, what I mean by that is throwing parties and, and celebrating a choice, right? They're celebrating it and setting it up as something to be like, man, it's, that, man, that's such a good thing. Reaching inside the womb and crushing a child. Whenever that is celebrated, I think that right is wrong and wrong is right. There's something that's off. There's something that has gone awry in our thinking whenever we celebrate killing things and babies and people. It, something's off. But it's a seductive knowledge because there is a way that it does make perfect sense. And I can go there. Like, I'm, my, my personality type is kind of the devil's advocate. So I get the logic. I'm not one of those ones that says, oh, I just don't understand how. No, I, actually, I understand. I just have to really come from the sinful nature side of, of myself to understand that. As believers, though, it should really cause uh, something in us to, to almost be at war inside of ourselves and say, man, what is it? But not out of anger against those people, out of really a brokenness that says, my God, we need you. We need you. A spirit of deception. Believing the lies. It's another way that the accuser does this in the soul, in the mind. He's the accuser of the brethren. He uses shame and he uses fear. And for many people in our society who have no covering, they have no strength in themselves, they are fully open to the lies of the enemy. And nowadays, depression and anxiety and also suicide are at all time highs, all time highs. This is a war, it's a war. We don't have really a physical war going on in our nation. The military's taking care of some things, but like it's peaceful here. Hey guys, I'm gonna be watching football in a few minutes. I'm not feeling stressed out about a physical bomb being dropped somewhere, right? So we, fought, we got comfort and convenience. Why then are so many people gripped by fear and shame and also believing lies that they would be better off dead than alive? You'd be better off dead. There's some statistics from 2017 that say this. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States, claiming the lives of over 47,000 people. Suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the age of 10 and 34. An entire generation of people lied to. And the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. There were more than twice as many suicides, 47,000 in the United States, as there were homicides, 19,000. 47,000 people in that one year took their own life. I think I think there's a fight going on, y'all. If, if there was a, a fight in a city that took place in whatever New York City, and and forty seven thousand people died in that that fight, that battle, we would be we would be deploying troops, and it'd be a natural disaster area. We'd be going nuts. But somehow, some way, it's defunded at certain points, and, and it's it's looked at as just a eh for a lot of people. This is like a new battlefront, newer. It's going. Up. By the way, in regard to men to women, it's three to one. Three men to one one woman commit suicide. There's there's an attack on men. We need help, y'all. This is a fight that we are not equipped to win by ourselves. Temptation. It's about the will, the mind, and now the will, the temptation, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. Wanting and desiring more and more and more. Y'all know our cups are never full, right? Just pour on, pour on. I just need a little bit more money. I just need that next pay grade. Uh, you know, I uh, that next house. I need that next thing. But all of our desires naturally are against God's desires. They're at odds with one another. So this thing of temptation, does the de- is the devil on your shoulder tempting you or is God tempting you? I believe that every good gift comes from God. But do I believe that every single temptation is a demon or a devil literally sitting there on your shoulder again like do it. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> do it. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You know, I, I also can't see it that way. But I do believe that the enemy knows our temptations, he knows our desires and he baits that hook. And guess what we do? Oh, that's a pretty lure. Oh, that's a good one. I know it's I know it's fake. But it's shiny, you know. And we're like the fish in the water; they just can't resist because we can't resist in our own strength. It's impossible. Distractions, our emotions—we can be distracted by things. Our faith versus our feelings. Come on, y'all. How many of you are? How many? How many? How many feelers I got in the room today? With your your emotions, like you feel like you, if you don't feel it, like it ain't real, or you don't. Yeah, I gotta feel it. I don't just don't feel. I, I feel like. I mean, I know, but I feel, you know? You're the feelers, all right? Depends for me, depends where I'm at, whether I'm a feeler or whether I'm like, no, that just doesn't make any sense, okay? But feelings versus versus faith, sometimes we're gonna have our feelings are gonna distract us. Those good things versus those God things. Some of y'all have opportunities in your life right now that you need to look at it and say, is this a God thing or is this just a good thing? Because I've seen and I've experienced where, Honestly, success was actually a greater test of my faith than failure. I've seen it in other people. Actually, man, they were hitting it out the park, and all of a sudden they felt like they were hitting it out the park. But yet in their failure, they were like, God, I need you more now than ever. I need you now, God. And then it's like, now that it's good, it's, I guess I don't need God anymore. You know? <laughs> I'm doing good. These are distractions. We have to be careful of these tactics of the enemy. The last thing I want to talk to you about is this, that we need to know our strength. Every single person in this room, you got to know your strength. Where does your help come from? And Paul says that our strength is because we are found in Christ. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Our strength comes from our union with Jesus. Does not come from your effort. Your experience, your intellect, it, your strength does not come from that. All of that runs out. Your intellect might get you somewhere. You, you might be able to kind of maneuver things, but eventually that intellect is going to hit a wall. Then what? Here's some ways that we can lean into God's strength. 1 Peter 5 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. First off, we need to think with sobriety. We got to have deep, depthy thoughts. In our culture, we can go weeks and weeks without having a thought that actually matters. We get entertained, we get numbed. We're like, "Oh, it's Halloween." And now it's Thanksgiving. And now it's Christmas. Like like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> and it's like we don't feel anything for like 3 months because we're just like holidays and it's good. It's fun. Some of you are like, it's Satan. It might be Satan. I don't really know. I mean, I, we could be opening doors and portals left and right. I, whew, God help us, you know. <laughs> oh, but, but we go a lot of times without thinking thoughts. Some of you, like, this is the first time you've thought some of these thoughts in a very long time. Why? Just ignore it. Just, just know like just positive, positive, positivity, right? Like just everything's positive. And it's like, what if it's not all positive? What if there's some reality that needs to come in and say, man, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight right now. Think with sobriety and with gravity, be aware of danger. Don't be fooled or lulled to sleep. Let's live life with our eyes wide open y'all. Our spiritual eyes, our physical eyes. Let's Let's live this life, this, we must, believers, y'all, we have to. By saying you're a believer, you're saying that you believe in all this, by the way. You can't, it's not like you can have Christianity without the spiritual. This is all tied together. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will free, flee from you. A couple of other things, a couple of mindsets you need to have is that you need to be submitted to God. There is safety in being submitted to God. It's like an umbrella above your head. It's how God has designed it. I am submitted to God. And in that submission, because I'm under his power, I have the power to resist the devil. And here's the deal. As you resist the devil, those desires, those distractions, all of the things that we've been talking about, as you resist that and you, and you pray and you read the word of God and you declare those things over your life, the power of that, it's like the, the knees are cut out. I'm telling you. Some of you in your homes, there is a spirit of fear in your homes. There is this, this thing when you walk in, you feel something or at night you feel something. I'd like to challenge you to walk through your home and pray, to walk through your home, like like physically walk through your home. I'm talking in your closets. If you got a walk-in attic, like go up in the attic, like. I believe in that. I believe that, and we're going to talk more about prayer coming up, so I don't want to steal from another week, but, but some of you, you need to realize, like, this isn't just a hear a sermon and walk out and be like, okay, I'm, I'm submitted to God. All right, next thing. This is active. This is every day. We're going to talk about the armor of God in the next couple of weeks. This is real. We're going to talk about truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation, We've got to realize that we need to submit and resist. The last thing I want to tell you this is this, to encourage you, that God waged war on death by sending Jesus to challenge and overcome death. To challenge and overcome death. That's why these scriptures mean so much. 1 Corinthians 15. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. That is where our strength is found guys. And without that strength, without that shield, all you have is your own two fists and it's never gonna work. It's never gonna work because it's not a physical fight. few years ago, I'm closing with this. A few years ago, I was going through some, um, some really emotional and mental uh, fears and thoughts, things that I had never dealt with. And looking back, I I can label it as a panic attack and I can label it as, as depression. Had one of my buddies walk up, uh, actually it was Casey. Casey walked up and he's like, man, you all right? This is, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. And and he started asking me some questions and the way that I was responding, the feelings that I was having, he said, man, I, I think you, I think you're kind of starting to become depressed. I don't know. I just, I think you might be depressed. And my reaction was like, no, I don't, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I don't get depressed. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like my defenses went up and, um, and then I began to experience these, these things before I came out on stage, I, I was teaching here and there. And before I would come out on stage and teach, um, I would be gripped by, uh, like my body would kind of get weak and I get nauseous a little bit. And then I'd, as I was talking, I, I couldn't put thoughts together in my head. I'd go back and watch the message to make sure that what I said actually made sense because I didn't remember what I said because I was so, I don't know. And Some of you, maybe you felt that or experienced that. And I had never. So, um, anyway, long story short, it got really extreme. And, um, uh, I mean, it ended up one, one week, I'll just be transparent with you. This is a few years ago. I, I, got done praying and wrapped up. And I went back to my office in, in the back room there and I cursed myself out. This was like talking, I was like talking to myself and ripping myself down. And uh, it was such a, it was, it was real, man. It was a real fight. And, um, and I, mean, I began to finally share things with some guys around me and, and I didn't know like even how to explain it. And I think it was a, uh, I think it was a spiritual attack. And I also think that it was me in my own self trying to be self-sufficient and trusting in my own ability and in my own factors, my own talents, whatever the case is. And uh, the thing is, is that I was stepping into a realm, into a, into a world, and I was using the wrong equipment to try to fight that battle, and I was no match. I literally couldn't even put my thoughts together anymore. You talk about being overwhelmed by the enemy when you can't even think straight. That kind of power, guys, we weren't, we're not built for it in our own, our own selves. So I, b- I believe some of you in today, you're really struggling really, really bad with this. And some of you are unbelievers, meaning that you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. And, and if you're there, I really wanna encourage you today, to, it'd be a great decision to make, to place your trust, to get underneath that umbrella of God's authority in your life to where you can fight properly. For others of you that are Christians, you're still dealing with this. And I wanna encourage you that this is a fight and this is a battle. Don't grow weary. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lean into those around you. For some of you, it's physical, you need some physical help. For some of you, you need some therapy, all right? You, need, you, need, you maybe need a pill, you need some medication. Uh, you know, you gotta be proactive in that. But then also uh, attack it on the spiritual front as well. We're in a fight. We gotta fight with all the tools that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I <clears throat> Just wanna pray for all of you. God, we just pray. Every person in this room, God, you know our our successes and our failures. God, you know our strengths and our weaknesses and what we're doing really good in or what we're doing really bad in. God, you know where our faith is at right now. And for some of us, God, our faith is very, very, very weak. For some of us, we don't even really have faith in you. We don't know you. But God, today that we we do. Some of you in this place right now, you know that that's you. You know that right now you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. This is what I believe. I believe that God is drawing you that he is the instigator of this relationship. And he's got his hand stretched out to you right now to redeem you, to set you free, to overcome the sin and the death that's in your own life with his life. And the wonderful thing about the gospel is all you have to do is say, yes, I believe I receive you, God. So right here in this moment, say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. All that I am, I ask for you to forgive me of my sin. of of, of all the things that I've done, my unrighteousness. And right now I ask that you, through your blood, through the cross, through the victory that you have accomplished, would forgive me and that you would clothe me in your righteousness, that you would cover my nakedness, my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses in your strength. I submit all that I am to you. And I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin and raising me to new life, for opening the doors of heaven to me. God, I pray for each person in this place that you would cover us, that you would strengthen us as we go out this week and we, we face these battles. God, that we would remember your word, that we would rem- remember where our strength lies and it's in you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.